All right. Welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. Real talk, real fans. We bring you Michigan football each and every week. I'm Caleb, and with me as always is Craig. And we are here weathering out the storm. Uh, it is uh, Wednesday night here, and so if you are anybody who's in the state of Michigan, you're probably uh, at some point getting pummeled by this crazy uh, rainstorm that's sweeping across the state. Power outs going or power is going out all over the place. But fortunately I was, uh, we're recording a little bit later than normal for a couple different reasons, but one of it, I kind of wanted to see um, and make sure that the power didn't go out in the middle of us doing this. So fingers crossed. Uh, we don't, we don't lose it while we're doing this. Yeah. Kind of weird to both of us having the same storm. Cause we're kind of, I mean, we're not that far away, but enough to, no, I didn't think that you would have the same storm as us, but obviously we did. So, yeah, pretty cool. I mean, you know, I kind of like storms. I think they're kind of cool. So, but, uh, um, yeah, I kind of, kind of came and went pretty quickly. So it might just happen while we're recording. So you never know. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I don't mind storms too much. I just don't want to lose my power. So fingers crossed about that. But yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting one because it's very, it's like this huge line and it, honestly, like it's, I think it goes up and down the entire state. And it's almost, uh, it looks on the radar almost perfectly north and south. And so basically it just like a swipe was going across the state. So everybody kind of got hit by it at some point in time. But, right. um, but yeah, we're here. Uh, we're here to bring you our weekly episode like we have for, wow, almost three years, man. Yep. We have been doing it for, the, yep. Almost and, for three full years because it's going to be September. That's going to be a full. We'll be starting our fourth year. Yeah, and we're getting closer and closer to that uh, fine day of Michigan football. And man, we're looking forward to that. So, you know, and this this is the time of year where you and I get we. It's it's tough because here we are. We can't wait for Michigan football. But then again, if you do, your summer's gone. Yeah. So I'm like, I want my summers. Here in Michigan, barely gets any summers days, you know, a couple weeks, and that's about it. But I want my summers, but yet I want Michigan football. So it's a tough one, man. Yeah, and it's also kind of tricky, too, from the standpoint that uh, I a lot of times we'll look at, I'll look at from the standpoint of, okay, sweet, it's the off season. We're not doing two slash three episodes a week. You know, we're going to, it's going to be easier. We're going to have more time, free time and everything. And actually, sometimes I think it's more difficult because I honestly will think about, okay, what do I need to try to do and accomplish while I, we kind of have this, I know it's not like days of extra time, but it's just like, well, having this extra time now, what do I want to fit in so that I don't miss out on getting things done during the regular season when we're recording, like I said, two or three episodes a week. And so then we both, uh, both our schedules get flip flopped and things like that. That's why we are, it's kind of sporadic when the episodes come out, uh, what days each week, because some nights we'll be busy. Some nights we won't. So our recording always seems to change here. It is Wednesday night. Normally we'll do Monday nights, but things switched up this week and we're on Wednesdays. So we're always juggling things. Yep. Yep, we're always moving around, and, you know, we're busy, and things happen. we got families, so we just try to fit it in there. But we always have time for the fans. We try to get the fans what they need, so. 
Yes, absolutely. And uh, and so here we are bringing you some new stuff, some fun stuff. Uh, it's another kind of variety episode, I guess you might say, because we're going to cover a couple things. One thing we're actually going to go back to, this seems like we're backtracking a little bit here because we actually never touched on it, but the results from the 2018 draft uh, for Michigan, obviously we're not going to go through the whole NFL draft, um, but we do want to acknowledge and congratulate the Michigan players that were taken in the draft. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and unfortunately, I don't think I have the list. Did you happen to have a list readily available about uh, the ones that were picked up afterwards? Not the free agents, but the ones to like try out in the training camps. I did, and I know uh, a corn, I believe, was one that was uh, going to the Lions or yeah. either practicing or the Lions were interested in him. So I know he was one. Um, and then Shane Morris went there too. Did you see that? I did. Yep. So uh, that was really quite interesting to see two Michigan uh, quarterbacks going there. So, um, you know, not sure what, what I feel about that, but you know, it, it's real difficult, you know, when you're not, uh, it, it can happen. You can find that diamond in the rough kind of thing where you can get quite a few players that weren't, um, signed and then they, they produce. And, you know, when you can do that, you can make your team so much better. So, yeah. How weird would that be if a corn just like, like, kick tail at the lines, man? <laughs> Dude, it would be weird for Shane Morris or John O'Corn yeah. to do well in the NFL. Not saying that can't happen, but it would be quite unexpected. Now, everybody, uh, a lot of people might be like, well, you know, Tom Brady went in there and was unexpected. Yeah, but Tom Brady played in college at Michigan. And of course, Shane Morris went to CMU and he you know, did what he did there and had more playing time than John O'Corn, but they didn't, they didn't have the attention that Tom Brady did. And they didn't look as good as Tom Brady did. Now, of course, Tom Brady college did not look like Tom Brady NFL, but right. also Tom Brady in college did not, in my opinion, look at the same game level as Shane Morris or John O'Corn. So, yeah, I mean, and either one of them, you're talking about Tom Brady beating Alabama, who had running back Sean Alexander at the time, throwing for over 400 yards. So, yeah, it, yeah, I mean, it, it was short-lived, so that's why a lot of people don't remember him. But, yeah, he, he was a pretty darn, pretty accurate quarterback, um, Brady was, here at Michigan. But, uh, um, yeah, uh, I wish him luck. I mean, you're, they're competitive guys and they do really, really well. And obviously Morris did pretty well going to CMU. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, anything can happen. <laughs> it really can. And, you know, it's going to be really tough on them, but you know, they put in the work and, you know, we'll see. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they, you know, yep. Yeah, some players are just, you know, they're cut out. They just aren't cut out very well for college. And then they really, seem to do really, really well in NFL. I don't get that. I don't know how that happens, but it does. It's weird. Yeah. There can be the, be the unexpected ones, but I don't know that's going to happen. Yeah. That'll happen with either of those guys, but you never know. We'll watch it. And I think there might be uh, some other ones out there. I didn't keep up with a lot of the ones that got uh, picked up on, or those uh, potential practice squads or those tryout teams and things like that. But um, the player, uh, it, it's a short list for the 2018 draft for the 
Wolverines, that's for sure. But that's to be expected, especially with everything that happened in 2017. I mean, we knew we had uh, a young team. We saw the huge um, exodus of players in after the 2016 season. So you're not going to be pumping out. Uh, gosh, I can't remember the number. How many players was it in 2016? Uh, uh- about 12, wasn't it? Yeah, it was double digits, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like you're not going to pump out 10 or more players in the draft every single year, even if you're Alabama. I don't think they do that. So this was going to be a, a smaller year for the Wolverines in the draft. Anyone who thinks that that's a slight to Michigan is grossly mistaken. Uh, you because get those trolls out there, man, they're like ripping on Michigan. Just getting, you know, going off base saying, oh, wow, how many uh, how many players in Mich- Michigan get in the draft? You know, they said, wow, two big, di-, you know, and I went, man, do you know how many young players we had on this team? We barely had anybody going to the draft. I think <laughs> there was hardly anybody. Yeah, no. Oh, it- if Mo Hurst heart problems and his medical problems, he would have went first round easily. Absolutely. So. I, I do agree with that. And we mentioned that. And I, I, I'll i step up and say I was wrong. He dropped further than I thought he would. Yeah, yeah um, I agree. But, you know, I mean, that, that happens. I think Oakland's a good place for him. I think that'll be uh, interesting. Another uh, Michigan Wolverine that can make a big impact uh, with the Raiders because, uh, of course, Charles Woodson was out there before. So uh, I, I'll be excited to watch him, watch him play because I think he's going to play early and quickly. So we'll, yeah. we'll be watching all of them for sure. Uh, so to give the details, it was uh, Mason Cole who went first and that wasn't until the third round. He was 97th. And then Mo Hurst went to, uh, did I say he went to Arizona? I said he went to Arizona. Yeah. Okay. And then Mo Hurst going to Oakland, like mentioned, and that was in the fifth round at 140. And so that was it for the, uh, for the draft. But then in the undrafted free agents, two more got picked up with Mike McRae going to the Miami Dolphins and Khalid Hill going to Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I guess uh, something, because I do want to stay on this conversation here a little bit. Uh, two questions. What do you find the most interesting out of those? Not like so much where they got picked, but where the players are going. Which mm-hmm. one intrigues you the most? And then after that, which one do you think could potentially make the bigger impact the fastest or the earliest? Yeah, that's, well, yeah, you know, you'd think you'd be the one, obviously, you're going to say uh, Mo Hurst, you know, he would be the one who's going to get out there. Maybe he even has a little bit of a edge to him because he didn't get picked, but... um I'm going to kind of go with Cole only because of the very fact that I think the Cardinals needs uh, that center position. He's more of an interior guy, and that's where Cardinals need him the most, and I think he would probably make the biggest impact because where he went. And uh, just based on uh, Cardinals and their running back position and, you know, what they have going on there, um, they're going to need some that freed up, and I think Mason Cole is pretty good at doing that. Uh, so yeah, I got Cole right about right there. Um, yeah, he, you know, he went where I thought probably he would go. 
but uh, I think he landed in a pretty good spot. Um, but, uh, you know, I kind of thought he would go eh, maybe late third and maybe early fourth round, but uh, for him to go third round is pretty good. So, but yeah, that, you know, he's, he's comfortable in that interior interior line. So, yeah. And, uh, I do agree that that'll be interesting to watch. And yeah, I think it's, I think that everybody can be in agreement that Mo Hurst is probably going to be, uh, the one or one, of the first two to make the biggest impact, the uh, the quickest, uh, as long as health things still continue to go well for him, uh, and check out for him, uh, as he moves forward. The interesting thing for me, and I know that schemes change a little bit and everything, but with the uh, downhill running that the Seattle Seahawks do, mm, I'm going to yeah. be really intrigued with what Khalid Hill does there. So that that's the one that I'm I'm curious to watch and curious to see uh, what kind of impact he might mm. be able to do because it was weird to see uh, his limited action this past year with right. the huge success he had in 2016. So I don't know if that was him not performing to the level that he was or just the difference. in, I think it was the difference in uh, kind of play calls and things like yeah, that and yeah. production from the offensive line and different things. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So I still think that he's a good player. Uh, not going to say that he's going to be like a pro bowl or anything of that sort, potentially who knows, but right. I think that he'll be able to go in there and uh, make some sort of an impact with the scheme that they run out there. Yeah. And see uh, Seattle's got, um, they got, you're right. They got kind of a scheme where they have big backs, um, run pretty well in that system. Um, and he definitely is. I mean, he might just make impact like you're talking about on the goal line and where he just, you know, five yards out, um, very strong, uh, great player. Obviously he did really, really well when he was here at Michigan. And, um, uh, like you said, I don't think they utilized him very much last year on the goal line, but um, I wish they would have more. But um, yeah, he probably went to a pretty ideal position too. So yeah, yeah. So we'll be watching those guys on Sunday. Uh, eventually, at some point, we uh, we know that some of them will be making it on the field there. So that'll be exciting. Uh, always fun to watch and keep up with. So uh, we wanted to touch on that because we never did at any point before. We also want to uh, have two other discussions tonight. One, which is kind of bringing up uh, things from the past, previous conversations uh, that we went to a lot during the 2017 season. And it's really interesting to see some more light shed on the situation um, of this. And so... Uh, there's been a lot of different conversations going on the past week, week or two or whatnot. And something that came out um, I, from when Grant Newsom was interviewed by reporters, um, they talked about the offensive line. And then, of course, they talked about the new uh, coach, Ed Warner, and what he's doing uh, and his impact on things. And so I'm going to read a little quote here uh, that was taken from something that Nick Bumgarner put together in an article for the free press. Uh, I want to make sure. Okay. Yeah. So the quotes at the end, but here, here's the convert. Here's the excerpt. 
uh, on the offensive line. Players talked about how much new position coach Ed Warner uh, made simplifications this spring. Keyword uh, that I'm going to mention, point out is simplifications, mainly because he had no other choice. Grant Newsom told reporters Tuesday that Warner uh, stripped down the complex language and overall concept because it was overwhelming. Quote mm-hmm. from Newsom, he said he was even confused by the amount of terminology and different plays we had in the playbook, end quote. So, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that, that sounds kind of familiar. It does. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, because we had conversations uh, basically to boil it down was just saying, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. I, and and it all started after the Michigan State game. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, we did. We talked about that. Where it just and it, it all came out about um, the, the playbook being way too complicated, and it looked like it. It really, you and I were talking about. Man, we can't even. Why are we coming up with what a hundred and something plays on the offense, but yet we can't even execute? Would we say five or six easy? Uh, plays at all we can't even execute those well why are we throwing the book at these guys at all and you know what this is what's really interesting and i was reading a quote by a warner and i love this i want you to listen to this quote it's really cool he says first off all he says first off all my job is to make the complicated seem simple so i've tried to figure out how to teach and package the learning process to make it as simple as possible to make it so they can grasp it so we can put the five best players on the field, not the five smartest players on the field, but the five best players on the field. That's our objective. uh, If not, we we are the five smartest. It's not who are the five best. We can execute and have the skill set to get the job done, so we'll have to do that. That's amazing. That's a great quote is, yeah, you can have smart guys on the field, and these, and these players are very smart. I mean, obviously, football and juggling school and academics, that's great. But, man, when you, you want the best players on the field, you've got certain players that can grasp that playbook like in a, in a, in a snap. But then you got uh, certain players that can't. It's too complicated. And he's saying, i got to get the best guys out there, and we just need to simplify this playbook. And that – it. That says so much to you and me, man. And it says so much to last year and what happened. Yeah, absolutely. We had those conversations and it's, it is cool to see him say that. And cause that's absolutely right. I mean, that's like saying, uh, kind of essentially the difference between book smart and street smart or, uh, the, the idea of if somebody, if you're going through college and somebody's really good at taking tests, it doesn't, necessarily mean that they're going to be the best employee for you to hire when they graduate because mm-hmm. just because they know how to take a test and they know how to be smart doesn't mean that they know how to execute and they know how to interact with people and handle things properly it just means that they know the answers right right exactly so. yeah and it's it's a whole different ball game yeah they might be able to like you said that's perfectly said as a test but then you put them out in real life they can't execute in real life and and some of these players might be like that and and i think that's what he's saying is hey man we got to get the best players on the field 
Um, and when you have the best players, you're going to get the most productive. And that means keeping, like you said, keeping it simple and keeping the playbook easy and just execute. And when you get the best players on the field, you'll be able to execute those five plays and simplify the plays pretty easy and do it well. But when you get the smartest ones out there, it's, you know, much, much harder. Yeah. It'll, it's exciting to see him come in. Um, I mean, expectations are already higher for 2018, which is not a surprise. Uh, but then the good, uh, smart, whatever you want to call it, moves made by Harbaugh and the team during the offseason gets people more and more excited. So uh, definitely yeah. something to watch moving forward and high hopes on better production from the offensive line and the quarterback. Yeah, but- even... Yeah, I like when Spinell has said that, uh, you know, Warner's philosophy and we're just kind of talking about is, you know, he doesn't want to teach calculus when we don't even know algebra yet. Yes. <laughs> absolutely yeah. right. And I and I love that because it's absolutely right is, you know, you're you're, you're jumping grades and you're way, going way ahead of everything before you even mastered the fundamentals. And that's what this team needs to do. And I really like what I'm hearing and I like what Warner's thinking is. And it certainly makes sense to you and me. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So only time will tell only time will tell. Um, the last bit of information that we're going to get here is probably gonna be the longer conversation that we have tonight. Um, because this, this actually just came out and, uh, Craig, I know that you're a little bit more familiar with it than I am. Um, but (laughs) I will, so I'll let you kind of kick it off, but to just introduce it, uh, CBS Sports released, um, I think they ranked all the college coaches. Yeah. Um, and just earlier today, yeah, just earlier today, they released the final 25. Yesterday was uh, 26 and above, but uh, the top 25 for Power 5 college uh, football coaches entering the 2018 season. So they did a list and uh, Craig, go ahead and take it from here. Well, they do it every year. They do a list of <coughs> what CBS calls a ranking of the college coaches. And, um, and you obviously coach Harbaugh is going to be on there, but uh, he felt he falls 13 spots according to them. So he's down to number 18 when it comes to the, uh, the top, uh, where they go to like top 65, I believe they went that far down. They didn't, they didn't go any farther, but, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously picking up the number one ranking in, in, in Saban is probably, you know, and no surprise to anybody. And then you got urban Myers too. And I can understand that, but then, uh, right. It's, well, it's interesting is when you get to, to the big 10 coaches, urban is too, but then you got Franklin at number 10 and then Michigan state's Mark D'Antonio is sitting at number 16 and Harbaugh is sitting at 18. Um, quite interesting on that front. <laughs> so what I find interesting is the list of the, the coaches ahead of him. Um, uh, there's a couple, there's some guys I do agree with. And then there's some, I probably would say, I'm not sure yet. And I think one of I think the ones that are going to surprise 
people that I think are on there is like Chip Kelly. I'm not saying they're kind of going by Chip, Oregon Chip Kelly. <laughs> and that's why I'm kind of saying, you know, wait a minute. Yeah, he's going to UCLA, but UCLA is not Oregon. Um, it's, you know, he's going to have to get his players and stuff like that. And they got Chip Kelly way. I think they got him in the top 10. Um, and that's where I have a little bit of problem with. Um, and then they got uh, Florida, uh, Dan Mullen at number 13 and five, five spots uh, above Jim Harbaugh. And yeah, Mullen did great with Mississippi, but only for a couple of years. And they kind of tanked and do very good this past year. And, um, I don't know. I, I'm not really agreeing with that one yet, but, uh, as far as the other ones are concerned, I can kind of see that, um, um, you, you got Kirby smart at eight. You got David Shaw. We're talking about Stanford and Jim Harbaugh's old stomping ground at number seven. Quite interesting too. Uh, he's always got a good team. Um, and then, uh, rounding it out with TCU at six, uh, Gary Patterson, TCU, and then Chris Peterson, Washington at number five. I really like that one because man, Washington's been on a tear. They've been in the top five teams in the country in the past three or four years. And that guy's really doing really well. Um, and then, uh, Texas, Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, you know, and that's the thing I'm talking about. Jimbo Fisher, great coach. He was great at Florida state wins a national championship there. Um, but you're talking about a coach moving over to a different team. And that's why I'm wondering why, how they're doing this just based on how they're going to do this year or how they're going to do, are they are just in general? <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird it's a weird list. So, um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? It's, <laughs> well, what they do say in the article, uh, cause I believe that's just from one guy, Tom Fernelli. Uh, I could be, uh, it could be possibly incorrect. Maybe he got other people's input, but he, he writes earlier in the article that, um, Continuing a tradition at CBS Sports over the last few years, we ranked all 65 coaches individually and tallied the results. I'm not sure how my colleagues base their rankings. There you go. Okay, so there there are other people who voted on this, uh, but my approach was likely similar to theirs. I took into account all that a coach has accomplished, and then I considered what coach I want to hire the most. Were I an athletic director with deep pockets and a vacancy to fill? So now here's the thing that I think really puts to light um, kind of how people are viewing the list. So I'm going to go through it really quickly. I know that you touched on some things, but to give people a rundown of the list. Uh, Number one, uh, Saban, Alabama, Meyer, Ohio State, Sweeney, Clemson, Fisher, now at Texas A&M, formerly Florida State, Peterson at Washington, Patterson at TCU, Shaw at Stanford, Smart at Georgia, Kelly at UCLA, first year coming back, Franklin at Penn State. That's the top 10, and I want to get at least the top 20 to give you a little perspective here. Uh, Gundy at Oklahoma State, Snyder at Kansas State, Mullen at Florida, Malzahn at Auburn, Riley at Oklahoma, Antonio, Michigan State, Richt, Miami, Harbaugh at 18 at Michigan, 
uh, Christ at Wisconsin in 19, and Fitzgerald at number 20 uh, for Northwestern. So there are two coaches on here that I think this really tells you how these people are voting. Yeah. Two coaches. And the, those two coaches are Bill Snyder at Kansas State and then Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. Yeah. I think yep. the, that really tells you how people are approaching their thought process with this because it's definitely not it's definitely not by accomplishments. No offense. I mean, yes, it is, but uh, then again, it's not. Because all these other coaches you're looking at, you're looking at um, either they personally or their teams uh, recently because of them or right before them or right after they left another program are winning um, division titles, winning conference championships, making appearances in the college football playoffs, going to big bowl games like the Rose Bowl and things like that, except when you get to Kansas State and Northwestern. Now, the thing then that comes in when you look at those coaches is that, yes, they they are very credible. They have uh, upkept to what are considered relatively smaller programs and ones that you would consider more difficult to win at. Um, And they have been there for a long period of time. They've been there through thick and thin. They have had um, great success years. um, But overall, they've just more so had the consistency of winning and putting up good uh, win-to-loss records year in, year out. But those two teams, and I could be mistaken with Kansas State, but those two teams are not winning division titles or conference championships. Those are more so the coach, and they can come in and make a difference and you know get your program. If your program's not doing well, get them back on track. Or if they are doing well, maybe they can give them a boost to the next level. But they're not like championship caliber coaches and things like that, in, uh, in my opinion. And also, that's what the records show. So that really shows that it's kind of a credit to who they are and what they've done over longevity. Right. Uh, Another interesting thing that I will point out that kind of, uh, I don't know if I want to say kind of skews things for me, but where is it? Let's go. Oklahoma at 15, Lincoln Riley. He came in. Right. And, and it was everything was set for him. Yeah. Like, I know. Yeah. Yep. So it was all taken care of. It's almost kind of, and of course, yes, uh, you know, what he was able to do is no, no small thing to look at. But then also look at the play, uh, the players he had. Yep. Uh, with um, the quarterback that he had, mm-hmm. the things they accomplished. And so that was already set before. He even took over, and I have no idea what is going on right now. I'm getting a bunch of notifications. Sorry if you hear that in the background. Um, so that's kind of deceiving, too, where it's just like you have one year on this guy's resume, which is kind of a tainted sample because it's almost like whoever took that over could have done that almost. And, and not, And so not saying that he is not good and not qualified to be on this list, but it's kind of like it's a little too early to tell. Yeah, and you're right. Was, how do you you just it's almost like um you it, it doesn't make any sense because you know what you said made sense before, but then 
you know, in turn, you you brought up the Oklahoma coach, which makes no sense on to what this article is about, is <clears throat> the coach's tenure. You talk about the Oklahoma coach. Yeah, it's very successful that one year. What, what That's one year, him taking over a program from Stoops. So he already had his players. He had, you know, great, you know, Baker Mayfield and, and you know, led, led his team uh, to the playoffs and um, did pretty well. Um, did they make the playoffs? I'm not sure. Yeah, but, uh, they, they did. I'm mixing up the years, but uh, yeah, they did. Mixing up the years too. But um, well, it's interesting because you brought up a great point in saying the the Northwestern and, and Snyder, those two teams right there, more than likely, you know, I'm going to say it's a little bit different having, you know, once in a great while, maybe once every 10 years, they might make the playoffs or they might get to a championship game like uh, Kansas State playing Oklahoma. And I believe uh, Oklahoma won that, uh, Kansas State won that game. They had Darren Sproles as a running back, by the way. Um, but, you know, you talk like something like that. You're talking about a program. You and I have such huge respect for, you know, Pat Fitzgerald and the way he coaches. And you and I, we like how he coaches and we and dig the way he he's taken a program who really is not known to win a ton of games, and he's elevated it way beyond what it should be. And that's why their tenure there is so uh, he's such a great coach where he's at. And then you take Kansas State where he's at out of, I mean the colleges in Nowheresville, and Bill Snyder just. He's a great coach for Kansas State, and they put him on the map, and they're doing really, really well. Will they be a playoff team? Probably not. Um, but then, you, like you said, you, then you throw in the Oklahoma coach. I'm like, where does that stand? I mean, we're talking about one year? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going, wait a minute. It, it, it seems to me there's a little bit of like, wait a second. You know, you can't give this guy a ton of credit for the amount of years you know, Snyder's been coaching. The guy's been there forever. But then again, you can't give it to a guy who's been there only one year and did a great job, too. So, it, it, yeah, this one's really, really strange. It kind of bugs me. I, I don't think I don't think the Oklahoma coach should be that far up. Like you said, I think he should be far down. Um, it is interesting seeing even uh, Florida coach Dan Mullen, you know, he – you know, Mississippi State was good, what, a couple, three or four years ago, but then now they kind of slid down. So he's sitting at uh, 13. So, yeah, that is another weird one. Uh, Chip Kelly is kind of odd, like you mentioned, because he he's just making his return. Georgia is another short sample because Kirby Smart's first year at Georgia. But the thing that gives him more credit is the fact that he turned around um, an eight and five team and took them to the college football national championship game. Right. Yeah. Um, so that, that holds more water than most here. Uh, so, so really, yeah, you're looking at it and it's just like, okay, are, are they, cause they all, cause that's the problem too, is they, they really should put a criteria on this on saying, okay, are you doing this by who do you think does the best job coaching and who, and you would want to hire them next year if you needed a coach or this right. year, if you needed a coach. Um, or are you saying who did the best job in 2017 or who, or is it saying that who is going to do the best job coaching in 2018? Like who's right. going like, they're going to have the best record or they're going to go the furthest in the postseason or something like that. Because I, I 
looking at it, I could maybe see, okay, they're looking at it from who the way that I can see this making sense, quote unquote sense, more sense than most ways is who is going to have the more successful 2018 season to a certain degree. Right. I don't, I don't agree with it, but that's where I think more of this comes in because yeah, Kansas state can do, do well, um, you know, with the record that they have, I mean, they're still going to be going against Oklahoma, Oklahoma state and different things like that. I don't know it. They really should put a criteria on this. Yeah, uh, you're right. I think, yeah, what you just said is probably they're going into this season with this team. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. So, uh, but I, I'll put this out here at, to keep the conversation move forward. It is uh, interesting to see that uh, the Big Ten makes a decent appearance, uh, considering two two in the top ten. But then uh, as you go on and everything, I mean, you've got 16, 18, 19, 20, 21, and 23 are all Big Ten. So the Big Ten makes a big appearance, Um, which actually, to be honest, I I think uh, Scott Frost should maybe be a little bit higher just because of the intriguing what he did with UCF, considering they were winless two years ago, and then he took them to an undefeated season and beat whoever uh, Auburn wasn't, I think it was. So... So yeah, so yeah, it, it it's not clear and straightforward. But taking it for what it is, let's take it for what it is. Right. Um, I mean, I think any Michigan fan is going to come in here and probably okay. I shouldn't say any because there are some of those out there. But I think most will say that Jim Harbaugh should be further up on the list. Honestly, with how things have gone, um. Since he's been at Michigan, I don't think I would argue with putting him between 11 and 15. Right. I, I don't think that that's bad. I think out of the top 15, it's just kind of like, eh, you know, this, this, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning this. Uh, but then even when you sit at this and you look at um, what's going on in the Big Ten, I mean, you could put an argument in there and a question mark around why is Paul Chris at Wisconsin behind Jim Harbaugh? because of what he's done at Wisconsin and winning the division and doing things like that. Honestly, having Michigan state, having uh, Ohio state ahead of him right uh, right now, I can't, I'm not going to argue with that because everybody knows. And we talk about the record with the rivals and things like that. The Penn state, I think there might be a little bit more love in that circle because of what James Franklin has had to the, uh, obstacles that he's had to come over and everything. Um, so I think that there might be more consideration there on the advis- adversity that he's faced. I don't know if there's much uh, thought put into how messed up the Michigan program was that uh, Jim Harbaugh took over when he started. Cause there's a lot of spotlight on what James Franklin had to take over at Penn state. I don't think people look into it as in depth because I mean, it's completely different circumstances. But when you're talking about a messed up football program, you can easily put Michigan in that category of things were not in good condition compared no. to compared to the conversation we just had with Oklahoma. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. see, like if Jim Harbaugh came in and took over Oklahoma, man, watch out. You know, he he would have been in the college football playoff too, uh, undoubtedly, in my opinion. And so it's just like, well, yeah, sure, give Lincoln Riley a high spot because they were in college football playoff. But it's just like, how hard was that for him? And again, right. not not saying that he's not a good coach or something like that, but just saying, you know, there are those circumstances. 
where then it's more impressive for Georgia because they came off an A and five season and Kirby smart turn around. And so all these different things come in here. So, um, to bounce it back to you, the quick things that I'll mention is, um, chip Kelly, I don't think should be in there because of the unique circumstances with that, because it's all speculation. Right. Kansas State, Bill Snyder, great guy. I think he's a good coach and everything. But as far as being a top coach and somebody that you would want to hire on a championship caliber level, I don't think he should be as high as he is. Same, right. uh, thing go, uh, same thing goes with Dan Mullen. It's not like he really did anything amazing in the SEC when he was at Mississippi State. I don't think a lot's going to change at Florida, personal opinion. Um, the, yeah. other pe- the other people I put in there, I already had a conversation about Lincoln Riley. D'Antonio has done his stuff. He went to the, took the team, uh, his team to the college football playoffs. Uh, even though it was for the result that was, uh, it was rough. Mark Richt is a little bit of a question mark at Miami. Uh, yeah, they had a good season. Yeah, they had some really good uh, competition and turned things around and everything. But it's not, it's not like Kirby Smart did. Uh, with turning around an eight and five team and taking them to the college football playoff, he took a nine and four, nine and four team and took them to a ten and three season, uh, winning the ACC Coastal title. So it's kind of like meh. But right. that, that's that's my quick reaction of how it's set up right now. So Craig, your thoughts on just taking it for what it is, where the coaches sit, regardless of how other people put them there. Yeah. It- you know, you're making great points, and I, you know, I can't argue with them. I, my thing was, I think you, 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 you really need to. I, I think Paul Chris from Wisconsin needs to be higher, um, just based on what he's done. Yeah, I know that conference, that side of the conference is a little is much weaker than Michigan side, and having to play, you know, Michigan State's on that, and Ohio State, um, but you know, Wisconsin, what he's done there is in in taking over. A, a, a football program from another college coaches in the past from there that's done really, really well. I think he's done a fantastic job. Uh, he's kind of going under the radar kind of guy. And, um, I think he's just, uh, I think he's fantastic. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think Mark and D'Antonio, you know what? The whole Jim Harbaugh thing is interesting just because the very fact is you've got, you know, the whole, you know, I think they're thinking that Jim Harbaugh might be doing, he's going to do really good this year. And I, and I agree. I think he's really going to have a good team and I think he's going to, they're going to play well. Um, but you're right. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is sitting at a place where you haven't been Ohio state whatsoever and you've only beaten Michigan state once. So yeah, his legacy and you know, where he's sitting, really depends on this year. I mean, it really does. Um, I don't know what it, and, and especially with the fan base. Um, I don't, if he goes and misses, you know, and loses those two teams again, the fan base will really get on, get on them and it really will. And so, yeah, the, the list is kind of funky just based on what you were saying, but, uh, I like Chris, I think you should be higher, but like you were saying, Bill Snyder, I would not build a championship team around, uh, Chip Kelly, I think he he's at a, a interesting place. I, w- I wouldn't consider UCLA the you know, spread offense team, but obviously they are. But uh, 
Uh, Kirby Smart is interesting because of the very fact he's taken in what what one year um, at Georgia, a couple years at Georgia, and him you know turning around and getting him to the playoff is pretty impressive. So, um, you know, the one that I think is pretty interesting is is the Chris Peterson at Washington and what he's done there, and he's been that silent coach, um, and I and I think he's. I think he deserves to be a little bit higher just because of the very fact is, man, Washington was a nothing burger, man, Five, you know, before he got there. And he really has turned this team around to a championship caliber team where you're actually arguing for Washington to be in the playoffs <laughs> and just sitting outside the top five. Um, and for Chris Peterson, the way he's done the Washington's really impressive. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting list, but uh, I mean, those are my my thoughts on it. But um, it'd be interesting to hear what everybody else thinks about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, then, I, I mean, like, it, how far are you looking back to? Because uh, Bill Snyder and Pat Fitzgerald, they talk about the long tenure that they've had at their schools and everything, but then they also reference what college coaches have done. Uh, now and in the past uh, at other places, but hold on. Because um, it's interesting because for Jim Harbaugh, they don't talk about what he did at Stanford. They don't talk about, uh, they just talk about what's going on with him at Michigan. But then when you go to people like, um, shoot, who was it? Obviously, the first-year coaches, they talk about what they previously did. They talk about David Shaw, and then they even make mention about what Harbaugh did about getting credit for rebuilding Stanford, but they don't put that under Jim Harbaugh. They put it under David Shaw. And then, obviously, they go far in the past because they're talking about what Pat Fitzgerald has done over his uh, whole time there. They've talked about Bill Snyder and his long uh, term of success and everything. And then they go back to... uh, the only reason Chip Kelly is there is because of the success he had in Oregon. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but the last time he coached in Oregon was 2012. <laughs> it's a long time ago. That, yeah, that was a long time ago. So what about Jim Harbaugh? Yeah. And back when he was at, um, are you guys taking into consideration about how he turned around Stanford, how he turned around Sandy, uh, how he improved San Diego state. So I'm not, I'm not putting a pitch in here saying, Jim Harbaugh's got to be top top fives, but it's just like obviously, if you're putting Chip Kelly in there, you're not doing his recent resume because he has no recent resume. That's right. That's so right. so if you're going back to the pre uh, the past that far for Chip Kelly, then why don't you go the past that far with a different program for other coaches like Jim Harbaugh? It it just is not done well, in my no. opinion. Like they should not include him, uh, Chip Kelly. Um, and they should have put a criteria and certain things around it so that people could approach it from the same perspective, because honestly, it's, it's not that great. I mean, the, the, when you're looking at the top four, I don't think that that's, you can really argue with that. Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Dabo Sweeney, Jimbo Fisher. Maybe you move those around a little bit. Maybe you put Dabo Sweeney in front of Urban Meyer. I don't know. I, uh, I obviously, I mean, cause they're going to talk about, they talk about Urban Meyer's success back but back at Florida. So I right. mean, you're yeah. talking about success at a previous program. When how long ago has it been since Urban Meyer coached at Florida? I don't even know. 
So yeah, been a long time. I think you're right. Is you know you're you saying that this it, the criteria of this list is seems to be all over the place. It's either the the long tenure of Snyder and you know which and Pat Fitzgerald, and then you've got um, okay, you you've got obviously the top four is you know I don't think anybody can argue with that, but then. You know, you throw in a, a one-timer in the Oklahoma coach, and then you got Chip Kelly. It's just, I don't know, man. It's strange to me. It's a strange list. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying. It's okay. Just- I got some here. I got some here. It might not be for next week, but I want to do over the next week, two, maybe three. I want you, me, and then... Um, maybe the people that we've had on the show, uh, the different people that we've had come in, uh, and do parts on the show to yeah. our top 10, 15, 20 like with our own criteria though. Yeah. Like this is what you're going on. Like either what they've accomplished over X period amount of time, what they've, uh, would you hire them to take over your, your, uh, program to compete for a conference championship, maybe even potential to reach the college football playoff next season, you know, put specific criteria on it. And I want to grab a few people, put them in on it and get different perspective. We're going to do that. Yeah. I like that idea of uh, doing our own, you know, taking this list, modifying it and making it more sense than having it all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, so. and then and then maybe what we'll do is once we're done, once we have it ready, maybe we'll announce it one week and then have people submit theirs. Right. And then have that ready for the following week because I don't want other people influencing us um, right. once we get this criteria set. So we're not going to tell people specifically what the criteria is. We're I'm going to we're going to ra- uh wrangle some people together. Uh, I would probably say anywhere from five to 10 people that we know that work with Michigan football and things like that. Um, and then just maybe a few friends as well and set a criteria, do the top 10 to 20 college football coaches in that criteria, mm-hmm. gather the information. Then we'll put out the criteria to the listeners and be like, Hey, if you guys want to participate and if you want to share your answers, we'll, we'll discuss them in an episode. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about what we got, what the other radio uh, podcast personalities slash um, bloggers put together as well. Mm -hmm. And then what the fans put together. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. There there we go. I I like that. Uh, At this time of year, it can be kind of difficult to find something that is, different than what other people are doing. I know that CBS did this, but this is significantly different because it ha- it's going to have a criteria. And then also we're going to be taking it on a talk show to discuss with you guys and to potentially get your feedback and thoughts and everything. So yeah, our fans, our fans are bored, man. You know, I know they are. They're waiting for football. They're sitting around doing nothing. So, so participate. Yeah, because nobody's nobody's watching that boring basketball stuff or that <laughs> hockey stuff. So right, exactly. I know, and always watching that uh, basketball stuff out there. Yep. <laughs> yeah, only boring fans in Ohio and uh, Canada are watching those. Sports. Not here. So uh, no, no. I'm just kidding. I used 
I used to get into it. I'm not, I'm not really, I don't know. I miss the good old basketball from back in the day when it was, I think it was more entertaining competition in my opinion. But Well, you know, when I was, you know, and I, you know, kind of keep on that topic a little bit was, and you know, times are different back then. You really didn't, you know, social media kind of throws a wrench into everything. Cause you know, you get the good with the bad on everything. So back in those days, it was, Michael Jordan, and then you had uh, uh, Keem Olajuwon and those kind of players, and you never really heard the negative stuff about how them <laughs> at all. And now you hear it all every time. You get somebody like LeBron, who's a, an incredible player, and it's like you get the good with the bad now. So welcome yeah. to social media, man. That's social media. is You get the yin and the yang of everything now, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You really didn't get that in the eighties or nineties. You just didn't. So, yep. So, and we're not going to get into that conversation because that's, right. that's a mess of Jordan, LeBron and all that Ness stuff. But, uh, but yeah, there we go. So we've got, uh, we've got stuff to look forward to. We've also got, um, shoot. What was it? We've got something else that we were talking about. Oh yeah. So there, there's another conversation that we're going to have. So we're going to, we're going to have to juggle things and figure out which one we're going to do first. Uh, since it's probably going to have some time to put together, we'll probably, we'll probably do the top coach list uh, a couple episodes later. And this other conversation we might be able to have before then. Um, I don't really want to announce what it is yet, but but we'll get around to it. It's a common conversation that we have around this time of year. So um, but yeah, that, that wraps things up for us. Uh, good, good episode this week. I mean, they're always good, but I feel like this was a good one, especially with the conversation here at the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you guys want to contact us, if you guys want, when we get around to it, if you guys want to share your list, your thoughts, conversation, topic ideas, whatever, feel free to email us at blue brothers sportscast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also do a, uh, something on Twitter. If you want, you can send us a D, uh, maybe a DM on there or just tweet us some thoughts and everything. It's uh-huh. at blue bros underscore Caleb or underscore Craig. So that's at B L U E B R O S underscore. Then uh, my name, Caleb or uh, Craig, depending which one you're reaching out to. And then the uh, best way, in my opinion, to always share with us your thoughts is the voicemail. Uh, five, five, one, two, five, eight, three, two, seven, six. Easy to remember because it's five, five, one blue bro. If you do call, keep it relatively short. I think it's like between a minute and two minutes before it cuts off. Uh, don't want to have it too long or anything. So yeah, yeah, uh, I hope that, uh, if you're listening to this, that you guys have power wherever you may be. Um, maybe the, maybe the weather is better in, uh, your locations. Cause I know we have listeners all across the country. So, uh, but yeah, it's later here in the week. So the weekend's just about here. We thank you guys for tuning in as always. Our listeners are awesome and you guys are always the best. We're looking forward to these interesting things that we're going to be doing coming up. And, uh, I think probably what we'll just go ahead and do is finish there. And, uh, as always go blue. Yep. Go blue.